Hello and welcome to the DMBA podcast where we share business confidence with designers. Hello, Joe. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Excited to be here again. Yeah, so for the new listeners, maybe you don't remember Joe. She was with us, I think, a couple of times, right? Yes, three rounds of the DMBA. No, but I mean the podcast. Oh, the podcast. I've been on the podcast twice because i was on the one yeah the like math quiz one where we have to do oh pacing. that was a tough one uh, which is <laughs> very fun yeah <laughs> yeah so you've, you've been on the podcast with the how is this game called guesstimation game right yes and yeah i think once with andrea where we discussed some business models ideas yep uh but obviously you've also been with us as a mentor three times in the dmba um but yeah, uh, you're also uh, a listener of the DMBA, so the podcast, and I frequently get messages from you about, hey, I like that, I enjoy this conversation, so I just thought it's a nice time for us to catch up again and maybe to hear what you've been uh, up to since you know fellow business designers always have interesting topics. So uh, you mentioned you want to talk about negotiation uh, today, right? Yes. Negotiation is a, a, a passion topic for me. Uh, I studied passion. it when I was in business school, and I think it's something that had always been very scary to me, but I actually loved it. It was my favorite class by far in my MBA. And since then, it's something that I'll, I teach uh, at the different companies that I've worked at, but also like will force my friends to, uh, to role play negotiations with me all the time. And I think if you can have a mindset shift about it where you actually start to think about it as something that is really fun versus this daunting, scary thing. So that would be my, my goal. <laughs> Very rarely do I hear anyone say, I enjoy negotiating, right? I have yeah. one friend who enjoys negotiating and he likes negotiates all the time. I remember he even goes into a store and then he thinks about buying two suits and then he's like, do I get a discount for buy two suits instead of one? And then, you know, the, the worker goes back. I don't know what happens at the back, but they always go to the back office and then they come out and they say, oh, you can. Uh, but yeah, yeah. So I know, I know one person who enjoys negotiation. Now you would be the second one. So tell me, how do you uh, become a person who enjoys negotiating? Yeah. So the thing that made me like it, and it's the, the whole theory of the type of negotiation I'm going to talk through with you today. But the idea is shifting your mind from thinking about negotiation as something that's distributive. So it's a fixed pie that you are just splitting up. And any more that you give to the other party, you're then losing. It's win-lose. It's competitive. It's laden with conflict. Um, you're just trying to get more for yourself. So that's like the negative version of negotiation. But the, the kind of negotiation that I learned is called integrative negotiation. And the idea there is that when you go into negotiation, the whole point is to learn more about the other person's interests and through that activity actually grow the pie for both of you. Because it's based on this idea that there will be certain things that are less important to you than they are to the other person and vice versa. And if you can identify those things and overweight for each of you on the things that matter to you most, you can actually create a bigger pie. It's a collaborative process because you're actually going in and learning about what matters to the other person. Um, it's, it's about going through this very, it's not about conflict at all. It's about a conversation and trying to both get to a good outcome, understanding mutual interests. Um, and I, in my mind, it's actually very similar to business design because I think mm -hmm. people think that design is all about creating more value for users. Business design is on the, the notion that, hey, if you don't have a good business case, 
for that value for users, it's never going to make it out into the world and it won't be sustainable over time. So you actually have to create the business case for it to create that great value for, for others. And I think that integrative negotiation is the same idea of you can actually grow the pie for, for both sides. Is this something, it sounds like, let's put it differently. I know a lot of people who just become very stiff, like physically and mentally, as soon as they feel they're in the negotiation phase. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they just, something just changes in their mind. And instead of being like in this free talking, open conversation where you could explore what they really want, they something just flips and they becomes very like, they become very, def not defensive, but maybe like, cautious and they don't want to say things so and what you're describing um i think i'm getting it but it's like more hey let's have a conversation about what you want out of it what i want out of it let's be very collaborative yeah. but that's not what most people probably identify not identify but um having their mind when they think about negotiation and hence they approach it differently so how do you actually make the other side open up yeah. and then share these things with you. Yeah, so it's. I think that there is prep work that goes in and you have to prepare on two things. You need to be really clear on your own priorities and also creative when you think through those priorities, thinking through multiple dimensions to them and what would be acceptable to you. Uh, but you also then need to use your own em empathy and insight into that person to take your best guess before going into that first conversation on what their priorities might be. Because the better informed you are on what theirs might be, and those become a starting off talking point when you're in the conversation and, and you refine them. But if you have a good sense of their priorities, then you're going to be able to come to a more creative solution. Um, there's actually this, this framework that you can use to lay out both your priorities and their priorities before even going in. So you have a sense of what might be on the table. Um, I would almost think of it as like going into a co-creation session where usually you'll be bringing in some stimulus into that to help, but you're thinking of it as a jumping off point for them to, the, it's like easier to react to something than nothing and that can help them then add into it. Right. So what's the framework? Yeah. So the framework is, it's easy to remember. And, and also, <laughs> if you have any examples from your own life yep. you can share along the framework, I think it helps just understand it better. Yeah, definitely. Um, so the framework is easy to remember because it's three T's. It's topics, targets, and trade-offs. And those are the things that you want to mm -hmm. outline for yourself and for um, the other party you're going to go into the negotiation with. So the topics are the things, are the matters that you're going to discuss in the negotiation. So I'm going to carry an example through for all of these. Probably the thing that we're, we all dread negotiating the most is salary. So I'll, I'll choose that one. So for salary... The topics under that, or sorry, accepting a job offer, the topics under that would be, number one, your base pay. But there, And I think people overly focus just on that, but there's other things you can bring into the picture as well. So number two might be if there's uh, a bonus or some kind of adjustable compensation based on performance. Um, the next would be your work schedule. So the assumption, at least in America, is always you're negotiating for a 40-hour work week. But actually, maybe having flexibility in your time is really important to you. So maybe that's something else that you can bring in. Uh, there could be other things, too, like paid time off or benefits or equity. Um, but I would say the big three usually are going to be base salary, um, if there's some kind of bonus range, and then actually what the work schedule would look like. So that's topics. 
The next thing is targets. So that is a range of what you might hope for for each topic. And what you want to have is the lowest end and you want to be really clear that you will not accept anything below it. And then the best that you can hope for in a realistic world informed by research into the market. Um, so like for Target, for base pay, then you would go on Glassdoor in the US or some source to find what is actually a normal range of pay for this role. Uh, for the like work schedule one, maybe you'd be on the you would be willing to accept a full time nine to five Monday through Friday, but you're hoping to get a 80 percent work week schedule with Fridays off. Um, and then somewhere in the middle would be 80 percent, but that you can't always guarantee that it's Friday, for example. Um, and then finally, trade-off. So once you've listed out all of your topics and your targets for each topic, then you need to rank those topics in order of importance. And so actually for you, maybe you just had a baby, you need more flexibility in your life. The thing that matters the most to you is getting the right schedule for you. Next comes salary, next comes bonus. Maybe the thing that you care the most about is bonus. Maybe you have a mortgage payment and, and you need to have an ability, if you do really well in a year, to make an outsized return on that. Um, and then mm -hmm. finally, once you've listed out all of those things, then start to think about what might be some trade-offs across these. So maybe if you're able to get that flexible schedule, then that correlates to a lower base pay that you'd be willing to take. So then you're starting to think across the topics that you've laid out. And you do that for yourself, and then you do it for the other party on a worksheet, actually writing out what all of those things might be. And just doing this exercise really gets you in their mind and what they might be thinking about. You do it on your own without talking to them first? Yep. I would do your first guess on your own. Maybe uh, you can talk to other people, get their advice on what they think it might be for the other party, do as much research as you can at this point. This is like just a, a framework for you to gather all of your insights and research. And you said you're passionate about it. So I'm guessing you're not just using it at work. Like, is there any examples from your own life that you were, yes. <laughs> I'm guessing you use this when you were. I've used this before. I mean, it's funny. My husband and I are going on vacation next week. Um, and I, I don't know if I should admit this on the podcast, but I definitely use this when we plan out our vacations. Like now that we have a young kid, it's, it's really hard to actually like get the time off. So when we do get the time off, I want to go somewhere really nice and that we have different trade-offs in our mind where like it's i really like staying at a hotel over an airbnb like <laughs> i just think it's a much okay. better experience uh my husband's more into like being a local he would be more into the airbnb thing um so then to me actually like the place we're staying is maybe more important like the actual physical building you're staying in than the the city that you're in so for me that would become like more important but then i would actually give him more of a say over which towns we're going to be visiting um so yeah i would definitely use it in my personal life um this actually brings to me there's so there's a negotiation catchphrase which is called your batna and batna stands for best alternative to a negotiated agreement uh, and mm -hmm. your BATMA is your walkaway price. And you need to be really, really clear on it. Your BATMA is like, if things devolve to such a point, you're just going to walk away from the whole negotiation. And when you're really confident in your BATMA, it actually it makes you a better negotiator because you have a certain point at which it's no longer in your best interest to proceed. I And I usually will also have a BATMA in personal life negotiations as well. And my husband can <laughs> tell when I've got my BATMA ready. <laughs> Are you battling me again? <laughs> yes, <Joe>? exactly. 
No, I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, I this this reminds me of a couple of stories. One of them was when I was negotiating a uh, rent uh, when we moved to Ljubljana. So there was this um, very shrewd businessman that we had to negotiate with, and it was basically a new newly built building with like seven apartments. So he lived on the top floor penthouse, and then he had basically seven families. Uh, paying off the mortgage, I guess. And so I knew we were in a good position because, you know, like, okay, there's seven apartments available, but still like he's, he's a person who sells yachts all the time to very rich people. So I'm guessing negotiating is his, um, his bread and butter. So I really got ready. And at that point, I even like bought this book just because I wanted to be ready. You know, this book never split the difference. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of the Bibles of negotiation. And like, you know, I marked the pages, I read it, and I was really ready. But then I got there and he was like a thunderstorm. Like you couldn't really contain him in terms of like he just, you could see the smoothness in his, the way he said things and how he presented it in a way. But ultimately, like we knew what we wanted and that even though we didn't have all that smoothness and didn't have the talk or so, um, we were still able to to get the deal that we wanted. But the way he got creative with, like, it was very clear that the price is our top priority. And he got very creative in how he was able to offer us this price. He said, okay, do you need the basement? And we looked at the, ourselves, uh, at each other and like, not really. I mean, yes, we would like it, but okay. And he just like crossed it off. Uh, do you need uh, this couch? We're like, mm, not really. <laughs> and he basically like took all the furniture out of the apartment and then we got to the price that wow. we wanted. And um, yeah, it was a win-win in a way. It was just like, I, I walked away really impressed with the way he did it. Uh, even though he probably doesn't need that couch, it was just like, trying to find a way to make it work. You know, it's such a good example too of like people often just fixate on that there's one very specific thing they're negotiating over the price, but the more things you can add in, the more creative you can be. And you talked about like, he may have not needed the couch. Something I always think about when I'm going in to do a salary negotiation, if the first thing that you put out gets accepted, that might actually like leave a not great feeling on both sides because yeah. I think there's actually, there is a fact finding that happens to the negotiation process where you find mm. out more about each other's priorities that in the end really bonds the two of you if things go well. And so like, it, you should think that the more that you're able to have discussion, it's going to reveal more about the things that matter to both of you. One thing that this also makes me think of though, there's two types of, or two t um, different kinds of negotiation that you'll come across in your life. One is transactional which is like you have to like if you're in a suit shop you have to negotiate once and you're probably never going to see this person again those it is more fine to like to be a little bit more distributive with it and try and get as much as you possibly can but mm -hmm. most of the important negotiations that happen in our life are going to be ongoing relationship driven negotiations like with a manager at work or with someone you work with or with your own partner in your personal life and so for those, you never want to like burn any bridges. You really do want to get to the best outcome for both of you. And that's where growing the pie for both is so important. Mm. And I think focusing on like big wins in negotiation is also important. Like don't sweat the small stuff right away, but really focus on what's the big thing. Um, and also if you have 10 things to negotiate, start with 
the one that makes most sense. And I've heard somewhere that always negotiate percentages over absolute numbers first. Um, yeah. And that's like the example that we're given where like, I, if you have an interest rate um, that you can negotiate, like the, your mortgage rate, you know, um, that's more important to negotiate and to take your time to understand it well than, I don't know, going and buying shoes in a store. Yeah. By the way, another thing that I want to say is I'm really, I was really surprised when I got to the US for the first time and I realized, so imagine this, I go to the Nike store and I, I find shoes that I really love. And here in Europe, you don't negotiate in stores. Yeah. And there is this really friendly person in this Nike store in San Francisco and they come over and like, oh, can I help you with anything else? Blah, blah, blah. And like, hey, I can give you discount. And they basically gave me a discount without even asking. And this is the first time I realized, wait, are you, can you do this even? So I wasn't aware because this is not a culture in Europe that you can negotiate prices in stores in the US. So I wanted to ask you as a, uh, you know, like, is this normal? Like, and if it is normal in the US, like in which stores is it okay to do it? In which stores it's not okay to do it? Yeah, so we actually do a lot of uh, employee experience projects at Profit. We've actually, we have worked with Nike and other retailers. And often employees, frontline employees in the store are given permission to offer like a 15% discount and they're just empowered with it okay. to make their own call on when to use it. Um, I know that I'm I've done it in for boutiques. 15% from now on, always 15%. <laughs> you know what you should always ask for whenever you're in a store? Ask for the neighborhood discount. Often there's like a neighborhood, if you live in the neighborhood, you get 15% off. Uh, just yeah. see, there's no harm. Didn't you hear? I'm definitely from here. I'm <laughs> definitely your neighbor. My accent doesn't give me away, right? <laughs> Um, you also reminded me of something really important when you're talking about the percentages. One concept called anchoring, which is something from behavioral economics, but essentially the first number that ever gets thrown out in any discussion, it's incredibly hard to move that far away from it. So if you can, you do always want to be the person to put out the first opening offer when you are getting into actually talking about numbers, because if you're able to anchor it on that number, it's not going to actually move that far in either direction. Whereas if they like that anchor becomes incredibly important and it's just very hard to move away from it. And then another point on that, I know that in the worksheet I was saying for each topic, you want to have a, a target range, but never give anyone a range in negotiation. Giving a range, like let's say that you said, I'd like to be able to work 60 to 80 percent. All you've said to them is 80%. You've just communicated mm -hmm. whatever is the worst part of the range. And I think for people, it might yeah. feel less like abrasive or aggressive to give that range, but you're just saying the worst part of it. So find something in the middle probably and communicate that. Don't ever give a range. It's a good one. So does that mean that when you have uh, a vacancy at profit, you don't give ranges or like, is it required by law to say, hey, this position is paid between this and this range? I know it's a little bit different, but just trying to understand who is the first one to go in the U.S. in terms oh, of like yeah. employer versus employee negotiation. Because here yeah. it's like the norm is you need to set the base as an employer yeah. what the employee can expect. So you're kind of in that position already. So I can't speak for this on behalf of profit, but actually there are laws now in New York in particular that are requiring salary transparency for roles, which I think mm -hmm. is a great thing because um, I think people should have a sense. I think it'll help a lot with with equity and pay. Um, 
generally what I have experienced as an employee is that they will, the recruiter will ask you like, what would, what are your salary expectations before they come back to you? Got it. Yeah. makes sense. Um, I think if we would to transfer this to, let's say someone listening who either is a designer within working within an agency or a company, I think we kind of covered this through a, you can use this when you're negotiating a salary and so on. But maybe on the flip side of that, we have someone who is maybe running their own agency. I, what I was thinking now of is that when you're negotiating maybe terms with your clients, you don't need to just negotiate the full you know, sum. You can also negotiate the way you're getting paid. So yeah. instead of waiting 90 days, you could maybe say, hey, I want to get paid 50% upfront. Well, good luck with this, but maybe it goes <laughs> through, you know, like maybe it works, especially if you give a discount. Uh that's one thing. And the second, yeah, that's the big one. The second thing I wanted to say is that there is this thing I call normalization, which is like when I negotiated, and I actually didn't, but let's say when I negotiated my first salary, um, what was normal for me was like much lower one day what than what they offered. So obviously I didn't feel like... Um, I didn't feel I have the power. I wasn't empowered to really negotiate on any higher number. But once I was in the company and I spoke with my colleagues and kind of saw what the normal salary is, then I felt like, oh, I, it's okay if I ask for more. And it's the same thing with like um, you negotiating anything. Like if you're just, you know, projecting your own thoughts and your expectations, your own finances, your own goals and wishes onto another person you're kind of uh, maybe mm, underselling yourself yeah. or you could get more in negotiation if you really understood the other side better so this maybe now more applies to charging clients more charging more as an employee but like normalizing what is uh what you could charge i think is a big part of that so like talking to others in terms of what are they usually getting in these in these deals really helps yeah which is kind of the research the first step yeah the research is so important and like if you work at an agency you can actually have a pretty good sense of your value by thinking through how how are your services paid to clients is it time and materials or is it something else that can actually give you a good sense of the amount of revenue you're bringing into the business because you do want to make sure that you're putting out numbers that are that make sense for you and make sense for the business. And if you put out something that would cost way more than they're actually even getting from you, that would seem tone deaf. So it's about showing that you understand your value and also understanding the role of that within the broader context. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember that in our in my previous role, the way I tried to figure out, you know, my real salary was there was one document in which you could basically calculate how much a company would charge for the whole project and basically you could put in your name you could put in the name of someone else and you would just see their hourly rate yeah. and usually this is not a big um uh, this is not a secret in agencies you know like hey my hourly rate is this much and i don't know partners hourly rate is this much um and so being a business designer, I was kind of playing a little bit with proxies, you know, so this person is getting, so they're charging three times as much for this person than for me. Okay, I'm guessing they're not really getting three times as paid, but this means, you know, their salary is somewhere between 
probably around two times as big as mine. You know, like you can yeah. use these small little hacks and tricks to maybe figure out uh, also these like figures or numbers that you are interested in. Yep. Yeah, the more information I'm giving you away have too going, much here. <laughs> <laughs> the more information you have going in, though, that's just it's going to make you so much more comfortable and and hopefully maybe even excited to go in for that first conversation. So, at which point did you get excited about negotiating? Was there like a tipping point? Was it so, you becoming a manager and having to negotiate more? And so, the class that I took at NYU in my MBA with Professor Freeman, we would. Every single class was role-playing negotiation. So we would have materials to prep us on each side. We would go through this process of filling out the worksheet to understand our interests and the other person's and show up in class and do the negotiation. And I just loved it. Like, I, I think first, I mean, it did really de-stress things because you are not actually that person. You are playing a role. But I found it was it was so fun. And for my brain, it was like the perfect mixture of something that's analytical because you have some facts going in and often there are some numbers you're negotiating around, but also really collaborative of thinking about how to get to a good creative solution with another person. Um, so I think as much as you can, practicing it in low stress environments is great. Like whenever I have a friend who is going in for a, um, an employment negotiation, we'll often just do it as a phone call together with me playing the other role. And I think that like with anything that's hard or stressful, the more that you do it, you get more comfortable with it. And eventually that challenge actually becomes fun. That's it's a good business idea. Hey, um, we gonna probably exists, right? So, Hey, you're prepping for your salary, uh, negotiation here. We can, um, have a, role play call with you yeah but actually i did hear that in the u.s you even have these services where someone negotiates on your behalf is yep. that right yeah i think that they end up getting like a percentage so it aligns incentives that they're trying to get you more i think to me the only problem there would be i actually think that you create a stronger relationship through going through that negotiation together with the other party yeah in a way that introducing yeah. another person in is not going to accomplish Mm-hmm. And if the other person's BATNA yeah. is pretty good, they might be like, I don't even want to deal with this, you know, <laughs> if they have another good alternative. Yeah, that that I think is the most important thing is like going into the negotiation by just understanding what is your bottom line. Yeah. Um, really, you know, open up a spreadsheet or open up a notebook and really just write it down. What do you want? And Sometimes we do have a feeling that we are in a, let's say, worse position because we want this so much and just acknowledge it, you know, like, okay, yeah. that's the case. I really want this. Fine. I'm going to take this and then through this build my, you know, my case further. But, you know, you should at least know where you are. Um, yeah. One of my rules for negotiation is to just try to have as much of conversation as possible upfront before getting to negotiation about the whole setup yeah. for example like i'm just selling a plot of land that uh that that i own and you know when you, when you meet these people who come and kind of have a viewing with um just try to understand their whole story like you know they're what they're trying to build here um they're trying to move from somewhere what's their financial situation what's their family situation and through this sometimes that actually often happens that through this you get one or two pieces of information that become really crucial for the way you want to explain something or maybe the way you want to negotiate about this 
Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think you have to run. So we can also wrap it up here and we're going to bring you back uh, again and maybe then we can talk about, I think on the flip side of this, it's an interesting topic that you also brought up, which is pricing because pricing is in a way negotiating as well, but you just kind of anchor someone with, uh, with a certain price up front as well. Yep, that's true. <laughs> cool. Thanks, Joe, for taking the time. It was lovely catching up and um, yeah, hope to see you soon again. Thank you so much. This has been a lot of fun. Cool. Thanks, everyone, for taking the time. Um, as always, in the end, I'd like to invite you that if you enjoy this show, you can also sign up for the seven-day mini-MBA where we go into some business concepts that are relevant for designers that you may find also relevant for your work. So to sign up, you can go to d.mba slash mini minus MBA. So d.mba slash mini minus MBA. Thanks, everyone, and see you very soon. Bye-bye.